0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to the Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today, I have as my guest Jennifer Howland. She is a retired technology and career reentry executive. Jennifer is recognized in the industry as an expert in leading large global development teams, developing and progressing diverse technical talent, developing career reentry programs. Unconscious bias training and career development, having been a frequent speaker at many notable conferences. As the former managing director at iRelaunch, the pioneering company in the career reentry space, she co led iRelaunch's consulting practice and co led the STEM reentry task force with the Society of Women Engineers. Prior to joining iRelaunch, Jennifer spent 35 years, which is incredible. Fulfilling years as an engineer, manager, and executive spanning engineering, strategy, product, and services development, businesses and practice transformation, services delivery, and technical talent development, where she created and expanded IBM's successful tech reentry program. It doesn't get any better or bigger than IBM, particularly in those golden years when you were there. Jennifer Holland, welcome to The Caring Economy.
1: Thank you so much, Toby, for having me as your guest.
0: I'm really glad to have you on today, particularly to talk about two things women in tech and then career reentry, something of which you know a lot about. Uh, but before we get there, as we do with all of our guests, Jennifer, could you give us sort of a two to three minute digest of who you are, how you got where you got, maybe some either mentors or bumps or pivots along the way that landed you here?
1: But after graduating with an engineering degree, I joined IBM and went through the ranks into various executive roles for the last 20 of my 35 year career. Um, The roles covered a range of business areas that you mentioned. And for the majority of the roles, I was leading development teams around the world, but sprinkled into the times leading those development teams, I was broadening my aperture in what we call corporate staff roles or roles that span multiple business areas or functions where you can have a small team um, and need to rely on people outside of your direct reporting chain for getting the work accomplished. In my last role prior to retirement, I had the best job in all of IBM which was putting in place bold actions to improve the representation of diverse mid-career technical talent of IBM's technical executive roles across the company, which just happened to be a staff role. Um, It was in this role where I had the incredible opportunity that you mentioned in the bio to create and expand IBM's tech re-entry program. And I did that by partnering with the new at the time uh, formed STEM Reentry Task Force.
0: STEM is science, technology, engineering, math.
1: So first, IBM's tech reentry program helps women and men get back into the workforce who have taken a career break for any reason, child care, elder care, illness, um, under, being underemployed, being unretired, a trailing spouse, et cetera, and they want to return. The STEM Reentry Task Force is a collaboration between the Society of Women Engineers, also known as SWE, and the career relaunch company called iRelaunch, um, with the purpose of helping employers create and grow their own in-house career reentry programs. And it's exciting to know that now, fast forward from 2015, there are now close to 40 task force member employers across a wide range of industries. Um, and nearly a thousand returning professionals that have participated in these programs that were launched by the STEM Reentry Task Force.
0: Are those network members, are they US focused, US companies, or are they multinationals?
1: Multinational companies, almost 40, they are all led out of the US, but they've all expanded like um, IBM did. IBM's now in nine countries. Um, IBM's tech reentry program, many of them have expanded worldwide mm-hmm. to different roles, to different geographies, to different units and divisions. In that last staff role I had to help um, improve that representation of this diverse mid-career technical talent, I got to work across the full breadth of business functions and locations to have this new program take root and grow. Mm-hmm and become fully ingrained in the fabric of IBM and that was a gift a rare rare opportunity found in a large opportunity at a large in a large corporation where you have that opportunity to to create something from scratch and grow it so i treasure that work and i know it was very special
0: well, what a tremendous legacy as well for you to have left that and it's grown and made that difference i would think
1: it was important to be able to transfer it into the right business area and with the right people, and I got lucky and was able to do that. So, there, uh, Rachel um, Akers is the lead now, and she is doing incredible things with the program.
0: So, so you you clearly were experienced for this role, but take us back as this green graduate from undergrad. <laughs> Female. I mean, the stereotype of IBM when you entered was white shirts, no loafers, guys in suits, predominantly, I would imagine, straight white guys. I mean, you must have been a bit of an anomaly, no?
1: The reason I went into tech was was for a practical reason, and you're going to laugh, but I started out wanting to be Julie from the Love Boat. Which, <laughs> for those who don't know, is a in six- yeah. the 1970s. Um, And Julie was the cruise director. And I thought the hotel management school at Cornell was going to be the right fit. And then I thought perhaps I would study music, um, piano specifically at the Crane School of Music. And my third option was to study engineering as I really enjoy math and science. And my mother in the end suggested as all mothers do, suggested I go to engineering school where there was a good chance I would get a good job following graduation. (laughs) Um, But also I thought, well, this is great. The college I went to was in the same town as Crane School of Music, and I can cross register and take a class here and there. And although it sounded really good in reality, the demands of engineering courses combined with other activities I was involved with, like Starting the first national sorority on campus and starting the rugby club. And yes, I played rugby. It's a phenomenal game. Uh, I worked in the cafeteria. I was a teacher's assistant. So I, I was very busy. And I found out I graduated after four years with never even using the practice room to play piano. <laughs> I wasn't sure what kind of engineer I wanted to be. And so I enrolled as an undecided engineer. And my first semester on campus, I was placed in the electrical and computer engineering lab. And it was evident that the teacher's assistant who taught the class didn't think women belonged in his class. Important to note that only 15 years prior to that, did Clarkson open its doors to women students, which was very common for engineering schools. So in that process of trying to prove the professor wrong, and doing really well, I ended up really loving the work. And so that's what I was, an electrical computer engineer.
0: Amazing. Not vindictive, actually, happy and positive.
1: <laughs> Following my IBM retirement, I accepted this dream role to help Carol Fishman Cohen, who is the co-founder and CEO of iRelaunch, with her consulting practice, as well as to co-lead the STEM reentry task force with the Society of Women Engineers. So for years and years, I worked with iRelaunch and SWE and the STEM Reentry Task Force um, at IBM. And now I got to be in this incredible company and help lead and drive and help employers create their own um, programs. The pioneering company in the career reentry space, and they partner with over 250 employers to launch and expand their own in-house reentry programs. And iRelaunch leads a community of over 100,000 relaunchers, and we define relaunchers as a professional returning into the workforce following a career of one to over 20 years. And I retired for good a few months ago.
0: You know, you've know, you got these employers, conceptually I understand re-entry, but where does the rubber meet the road? You were going out and sitting with the heads of HR at these companies, or you were actually meeting with employee group. What did an average day look like?
1: So my day, I helped co-lead the consulting practice with Carol. Um, she was doing it on her own before I joined. What that means is she would work with employers specifically to help them get their own career reentry program up and running for those that already had career reentry programs which was rare but some did she would help them expand them overseas or different business areas or different tenants of the program so my typical day was to help clients create their own programs and what I did it was one-on-one consulting lots and lots of hours of consulting to give them all the best practices that not only I had from creating IBM's program and being involved with the task force, um, but also all the clients that I relaunched had worked with and help them create a program that works for them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's could be a quick process, or it could take up to six months, mm-hmm. depending on the leadership involved. And it it was phenomenal. I love this work. I love seeing these programs come together and know that you helped. You mentioned who do you work with? It all depends. Sometimes I'll work with a CTO of an organization. Sometimes I'll work with the um, talent acquisition group. Sometimes I'll meet. I'll work with the DNI team. Sometimes I'll work with um, HR. So it really depends where the program is in an employer is stationed.
0: So I would imagine, for example, with the recruiters, you would help them unlearn in a sense, not to filter out resumes that have big chunks of missing time.
1: It was one of the most common mistakes. And. It's it's not helpful, and I know um, employers are working with their back end systems to fix this. But there's a lot of software that would just filter them right out; they wouldn't even be considered. So we always tell relaunchers to put yourself out there and wait until the employer filters you out after being able to speak with them. And we consult with employers to make sure you are meeting with the relauncher to really understand what they bring to the table. It really makes a difference.
0: How do you tell, say someone 10 years out, I mean, the technology has evolved so much. Do you advise employers to put in programs to get them up to speed, or do you talk to the individual candidates to say, here's where you got to get up to
1: speed? How do you close that gap? It's both. What we will do is work with relaunchers and figure out what they want and what they need and where their interests are. And Let's say you're a programmer, a COBOL programmer, or a C programmer from way back. Nothing was object-oriented then. And now you're want you wanting to come back be a programmer. Most all of those types of people, those types of skill will have updated their programming, either through auditing a class or doing a certificate program or going to local community college or doing it just online, they'll update their skills. So, they feel comfortable with learning new technologies. On the other hand, once one relauncher said that, you know, the, the principles of multivariate statistics don't change. It's the application and the software and the things built around it mm-hmm. to be able to do those things that change. Mm-hmm. And those things are fairly easy to learn. It
0: seems like so much positive stuff has happened, but it didn't happen overnight. And I'm sure there's still gaps, right? Could you tell us a little bit about how women have become more successful and recognized in tech and maybe what more needs to be done?
1: At IBM, And as in most technical companies at the time, there weren't many women employees. I mean, this was in the mid-80s. Because of the year I graduated was a major hiring freeze in most large corporations. My gender definitely, I feel, helped me get in the door. That along with the fact that I'd worked at IBM the prior summer, so at least I was a known entity, Mm -hmm. but I knew they were looking for women engineers because they didn't have any. And it was many years into my career at IBM that I first worked with a female manager, and I remember distinctly thinking, oh, that's really different. I wonder how I should be acting in front of them and what should I talk about? It's so funny to think about now, but I remember specifically thinking about that. Mostly after my initial hiring, I just wanted to be treated the same as my male counterparts. Mm -hmm. And I ended up working hard for promotions that came my way. In today's workplace, employers should strive for a workforce that really mirrors the population no matter what industry you are, I don't care what industry, it it shouldn't be all men, it shouldn't be all women, it shouldn't be all black, it shouldn't be all Muslim or Catholic. I mean, it, it needs to mirror our population. And the talent is out there. Hiring diverse talent requires forming relationships, which takes a lot of time. And many businesses don't allow their hiring managers the necessary time to create those meaningful relationships which we know can result in hiring the first person that walks through the the door. Mm -hmm. And in the tech industry, there's a good percentage that that person is not going to be a diverse candidate, or it's not going to look like the rest of that world. Something that I strived for while leading large teams at IBM was to ensure that the employees that were up for a promotion or award or a new role had demonstrated capabilities beyond their peers, rewarding someone just because they're a woman or because they're black or diverse and not because of their demonstrated competence belittles the reward and the person. And as a woman employee, I wanted to make sure I received what I deserved. And I never want anyone to think that I received this reward promotion role because of my gender. No one wants to feel that way. I
0: wonder about this latest generation of technicians in particular, who are now witnessing, experiencing layoffs for the first time. Life has reductions in forces and layoffs, and it's a cyclical thing. Any reflections on what's happening now in the tech space with all these layoffs?
1: Don't want to belittle what's happening because it stinks for those who are in it, but it, it will always happen. It's a part of of life and i think because of the last few years especially um and those out of college who are um new in the industry and working in large corporations that these things are cyclical and companies need to every once in a while step back and pause and reflect on where their core comp- competencies are and how they can best meet the needs of their marketplace and their clients. There are so many other employers that are hiring. It really helps to hire coaches. A career coach is a wonderful, wonderful thing to invest in.
0: I also have seen the same time we're reading about the tech layoffs that the banks are hiring. So, you know, it's, it's cyclical and it's also industry specific often. I often have said to people in the past year, it feels to me like every company is a tech company now. It really does replace much of what others did before, or it's just the nature of the beast, right? In my area of communication, social media is so important, websites. Do you coach young people informally now and say, you know, well, you know, think about a different sector or different industry or?
1: So I, I definitely still coach um, people, men and women, uh, mostly in the tech world. When you have a technical degree, like an engineering degree or a programming degree, it opens up so many options. I mean, look at all the different things I did in IBM over 35 years. I don't know if that would have been possible without the background of that I had. And I wasn't trained to be a consultant with iRelaunch, but it's part of what you learn and what you how you grow. Important to find your next thing. I always say it's perfect to have that new role be part of what you were doing before. So, you know, something, but then make sure you can learn and grow in that new role. Mm -hmm. Not exactly the same. And I also, depending on what they want to do, they might go back to school. They might get a full uh, four-year degree or get back, get their master's. Be cognizant if you're an employee, be cognizant of where your employer is going and the skills they're going to be needing and make sure that's where, Kind of your portfolio of skills is lined, um,
0: uh, ladies and gentlemen. Again today on the caring economy, we have Jennifer Holland with us. She's a career tech executive, primarily with uh, IBM for 25 years, and then the consultancy I relaunched It seems to me that it it has been a source of awe for you in your career, and I wonder if that's a fair statement. And is the awe still there in technology and science? And 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 describe what that feels like for you, or why it is.
1: So uh, with IBM specifically and upon my IBM retirement, there were many jokes around my blood never being totally red, but perhaps being a bit purple with the red mixed into the blue. And I received offers I mentioned for every company to which I applied out of college, all great companies, but IBM is IBM. And I was so proud to have landed an engineering job there. And I'm very, very proud of the work I did and the work of the company over these 35 years Mm -hmm. and when you said wow 35 years it does sound ancient and how could one person learning grow and be challenged at the same company for 35 years and the answer, which I alluded to, is because up until my last role, I was never in a role longer than two to three years. Mm-hmm. And when you work for a big company, there are opportunities to move around and to completely different business areas. Yes. And I was always challenged. And a great quote from the former IBM CEO, Ginny Rametti is growth and comfort cannot coexist So when you are comfortable in a role, you are not growing. And I apparently enjoyed being uncomfortable. It's important for you to take risks and put yourself out there.
0: And also, I think the leadership. Lou Gerstner was the CEO at American Express right before I joined American Express and went to IBM. And many of the blue box values were manifested there at IBM, but... I found, and I think you'll agree that the values matter and the leadership even more. Does the leadership actually practice and lead by example? And I think Lou very much did that at Amex and then Harvey Golub after him. And was that your experience with IBM?
1: Absolutely, and IBM knows how to transform its business. And it was been it's been doing that since the mid nineties when it came close to dying and evaluating its core competencies and transforming to meet the needs of the client in the marketplace. And will it will continue to do that to meet future needs, but leadership specifically over the course of my employment transformed significantly, all for the better. Um, practices that were new at the time, like team partnership and agile development, significantly influenced all levels of leadership. Mm-hmm. And striving to have the most effective leaders will always be important to IBM. So. Whatever, um, they're they're always doing studies and um, successful leaders and general managers outside and inside of IBM to understand what that secret sauce is, and they will continue to do so. Think of IBM as a whole to have had so many opportunities to get to work with employers, leaders, clients all over the world. I mean, IBM operates in 170 countries was so rewarding. Learning and traveling to new cultures and understanding differences in work environments and tackling challenges where the team speaks multiple languages and sits around the world way before COVID, way before uh, Zoom and Teams. It's really been incredible being in and among this amazing industry and at this amazing company.
0: But what would you say to a young woman today, finishing college, who wants to pursue a career anywhere, but she needs either some reference places to go, tools, role models, books, advice, anything about how she should approach her search with her gender lens on how best to find the right employer? When
1: you do the interviews, you need to be able to get a sense for the underlying tone and culture of that company and that is harder than it seems to do on the other hand you you can definitely find out about it to be able to meet with people down the hall and to be able to talk to them about what their you know typical day is and how if they enjoy working for the company now they know you're a, a a new hire, not even a new hire, but you're interviewing. So they're not going to trash the company, but you can find out a lot with that question. Really look to see, are they practicing the ethic of reciprocity, otherwise known as the golden rule? Uh Are people being treated as you would like to be treated? And that spirit of the principle to treat everyone with individuality and with dignity You can also see if leaders are compassionate because they can and should be compassionate and no, it does not make you weak, but compassion is what they call a more empowered state where we want what's best for the other person. And, And a great example of this that the Dalai Lama described, if we see a person being crushed by a rock, the goal is not to get under the rock and feel what they're feeling, being empathetic
0: push the rock away
1: (laughs) but it's to help remove the rock and another pillar of joy that I always will recommend to anyone starting out and you can absolutely get a sense of this when you are um, meeting people in a new company to try to make your decision is do people have a sense of humor and Mm -hmm. do people take themselves too seriously Mm -hmm. our days are too long um, the work is hard and you really need to try to have some fun while you're doing it. And so humility and humor are two additional pillars from the Book of Joy.
0: Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about that last point is we're living in such highly sensitized times. And I think particularly for younger people, and I say often, everyone needs to calm down a bit and not get concerned too much about what you perceive as a micro aggression or abrasion kind of thing.
1: Give the person the benefit of the doubt. They might not have meant what they said. Absolutely. Make sure you can talk to them about it.
0: 2017 Good Housekeeping Magazine gave us one of the 10 women changing the way we see the world, literally the seal of approval. What was that like?
1: It was actually an amazing experience and the Society of Women Engineers had um, nominated me for my work with creating IBM's tech reentry entry program and a few other things, but it was a wonderful experience. Um, I think they do it every year, so it's always really interesting to see. They have different category. I was in the science and technology category and um, it was fun getting dressed up and made up for the photo shoot that
0: well but what it was based on was your incredible career accomplishments so jennifer Hollins, thank you so much for joining us today on the caring economy and i hope you'll come back soon
1: thank you so much toby it's been a pleasure